0: Crossover collab. Hmm. Hey, Yzma, listen to this podcast. It's got my favorite films. Okay, what are we working with here? It's very philosophical, very deep. Whoa. Here, listen. My spinach pops. All right, we, uh, we're recording, so, uh, Squeaky squeaker, uh, squeaking.
1: Whoa, there! I uh don't know what you're, uh, what you're saying.
0: It's uh, it's pretty advanced uh, I don't think you'd, you understand. Right. Let's be real. We've basically made this podcast to just do Kronk's voice. That's that's it. Um, thank you for whoever's tuning in, listening you welcome. <laughs> this would be the summary of what we, we talk about today. Um, and
1: uh, Patrick Walburton, if you're listening to this, uh, <laughs> first off, you're a legend, and second off, if you could uh, rate our <laughs> our uh, our Kronk impressions in the uh, in the comments, that would be well, great.
0: Eleven out of ten. Good job, kiddo. <laughs>
1: Whoa. <laughs> Well, I mean, oh, he has like right. the poison—the poison for Cusco. Poison, poison chosen especially to kill Cusco. Cusco's poison. That poison. Yes. Got you covered. All right. We're just
0: going to be quoting this the entire time. It's brilliant. He just has one of the absolute best voices. Uh, yeah,
1: like... except for um, I don't know if you ever saw the Buzz Lightyear in Star Command movie. Slash TV
0: show. Oh, no, I can't remember.
1: I can't remember, um, I'm sorry. It was basically like a 2D cartoon spin-off from Toy Story. It oh, was really? super cool. I remember watching it as a kid loads. Um, he basically... You know how at the start of Toy Story, he thinks he's a toy, and he talks about you know how he's got to get back to Star Command. and He's being yeah. sent to a strange planet. Um, Well, it's actually set while he's at the Academy. Like, he's... um. One of like the captains, generals, trainers kind of thing. Um and yeah, it's this super cool adventure where like Zerg tries to turn all the little green men evil. <laughs> and uh, it's actually it was so cool. In the original, they obviously got ah ah his name just left my brain. The guy who actually plays Buzz Lightyear. Oh Tim Allen. Tim Allen. I don't know why I was going to say Tom Hanks. It's like no. No, that's the other guy. Tim Allen. Yeah. Um. But yeah, in a, they re-released it with Patrick Warburton in the US. I believe. So <laughs> it was a few months back, but I saw uh, saw this great comparison video where it shows you Tim Allen's version, which is like he super like serious, but also mm. a bit witty, and then Patrick Warburton's version, which is like. Whoa, the LGMs—they're—they're huh, uh, they're turning evil. What are we gonna do? <laughs> oh, oh my! Gosh. <laughs> so to, yeah,
0: uh, <laughs> to infinity and uh, beyond, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's like a super fantastic.
1: dramatic scene where, like, his first—like the reason why he works alone is because he went on this mission with his sidekick, who he's like he's best friends with, and the sidekick, uh let's just say for the purposes of this discussion, because we're probably not going to do a podcast on this film. <laughs> uh, let's just say the sidekick dies and leave it at that. Mm. Um, and um, yeah, he's like so traumatized by it. Uh, so he works alone from then on. So like, just comparing the scene of Tim Allen being like, no, to like Patrick Warburton being like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, it's not quite that bad, but, you know, no, there, there that's are some bad. roles that's brilliant. that, like, Wolverton is brilliant for all the roles that oh, I've seen course. him in. Like, you could not pick a better person, but it's it's quite reassuring to know that, like, not every role needs that.
0: <laughs> I completely agree. He's, I love him mostly um, in B-movie. He's like, that's where uh, I,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. I, I know him from. And it's just, Oh, he's the best ever. Right, so, Emperor's New Groove. Let's discuss it. I hadn't watched it at all through my childhood. I don't know how I missed it. It is one of my (laughs) favorite Disney films now. What the heck?
1: Yeah, I'd agree. I have my parents to
0: blame. I also blame (laughs) your parents, too, for, for not raising you with it, honestly. Ridiculous. Well...
1: My mum my was surprised I hadn't seen it. I think it was one oh, of those right. where I think maybe my older siblings saw it, but I didn't or I don't remember it because it, it came out in 2000. So chances are they probably got it on video when I was born. <laughs> so, right, right. Um, I will not have been aware mm. of it. But um, yeah, what a movie. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's so funny.
0: Like, I feel it's one of those films that, you know, the old cartoons with, like, that kind of silly animation and physics, um, (laughs) it's quite slapstick. It has that element, particularly the way that um, Cusco moves.
1: It's, It's just
0: cartoon, isn't it?
1: Yeah, 2D. So it was around the era when Disney first started... Using uh, well, not first started. It was after the Renaissance, uh, in yeah. the of the nineties. So they'd been using two D computer animation, mm. uh, to save paper, <laughs> basically, yeah. yeah, make it a lot faster to animate because neck it. Oh, Those early Disney films, right, incredible,
0: Oh phenomenal. Like I, it was a while ago. I think it was Snow White. I saw, um some of the making behind the scenes and I was blown away by the patience
1: that yeah, the, right.
0: that they had to make that film unreal. Um so yeah, I think it's definitely a step up. But the the main thing I like about it is how they carried over a lot of the the physics, like the silly physics of cartoons and like brought it
1: yeah. to <laughs> this
0: film. And just the voices, the cast worked really well. Um,
1: Definitely.
0: There was a they was really well. Yeah, yeah, for definite. That was a really good point that was on tip of my tongue and i have forgotten it. I don't know. What what else do you have to say about the um, the film and the production-wise with it?
1: I mean, the comedy was really well-delivered. Mm. Obviously, you've got that brilliant voice cast, um, a really slick script, and mm. also really creative camera choices and again because it's a cartoon you know they have a lot more choice over where the camera is sort of thing but um Mm -hmm. some really great moments of visual comedy like um uh (laughs) isma being carried in this carriage by kronk and uh you just the scene starts inside of this booth that she's sat in Mm -hmm. Um, and she's like um right we need to stop here i'm tired and then it cuts to outside of the booth and Kronk's been like running the whole way <laughs> carrying it. And he just like plops it down and it's like, yeah, she was the tired one. Okay. Um, and of course, the uh the dramatic irony of again, for those of you who haven't seen the movie, this isn't gonna make sense. So apologies, spoilers, and all of that. Um, but there is a there is a scene about halfway through the film where um, Cusco and Pacha, the good guys who are trying to get back to the palace to turn Cusco back from a llama into a human um, they stop off at this uh, like restaurant diner (laughs) at the same time that Isma, the bad guy, and Kronk, her henchman, uh, also stop off at the same diner. So there's this great moment of dramatic irony where like They are literally all next to each other, but they don't see because they're always looking in different directions. And there's a point where they like every character goes into the kitchen at one point, but they never make eye contact, and it's just so well done. Like how they managed to suspend that kind of tension (laughs) the whole way through the scene, and it still feels like it's (laughs) ridiculous. Of course, yeah. you know the kind of cartoon humor, but it also kind of makes sense because it's like sometimes people can be so self-absorbed they don't see what's literally right in front of them.
0: But <laughs> definitely, which is actually
1: a big thing in the movie,
0: right? Um, I actually wanted to acknowledge that even more that they acknowledge the whole meta irony thing. I I remember the scene where, um, sorry, what's the bad guy's name again, the... Uzma. Uzma, that's it. So when she's a car and she falls, I love that it just cuts to a shot of, like, this guy sat on a trampoline. (laughs) And, (laughs) and, like, she bounces off it and she's like, oh, well, that's convenient. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) It's like, exactly, like, there's so many times where it does not make sense for that (laughs) thing to be there in the plot, but it's just like... Yeah, totally. And then, like, I think even later in that scene, if I remember... Kronk like I think it's a Kronk or it might be I don't know my character names. Who's who's the other guy that that John Goodman plays?
1: Uh Patcher.
0: Patcher, thank you. I remember it. I think it's either Patcher or Kronk open like the the window and they're like, Oh, that's convenient. Like something got along the lines of that. And it's just like there was particular moments through that scene that they really acknowledge like oh wow that was very convenient and it's just <laughs> it was just like wink wink nod nod i loved it so much because it's like yeah yes you are literally pointing a finger at lazy storytelling and i love it
1: <laughs> yeah well i mean the the meta uh, humor actually goes a step further as well and mm-hmm. this is kind of what links to the the overall themes of the movie um when uh when the movie starts, it's unclear who the narrator is, and um, because it's yeah. kind of it's portrayed as like an omniscient narrator because the audience sees everyone's uh perspectives and everyone's part in the story, uh, and we see like Isma hatching her plan kind of thing which Cusco wouldn't know about for example, but um Cusco is insistent that it's his story so. What's implied is that he's in the movie theater, uh, watching the film, and then he stops it every now and again to make it about him. And he, there's a, there's one particular point where, it's great. There's this long scene that effectively introduces you to Pacha because he um he's gone to Emperor Cusco when Cusco is still a human, and um it, he's been called in by the emperor to uh talk about his village because he doesn't realize Cusco wants to build uh, his second home uh, Cusco Tropolis mega resort on the hill that Pacha lives on um and when he realizes that he pleads with Cusco to not go ahead with it but he does because it's like oh it's uh, it's me 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 it's what I want kind of thing. So it very clearly sets Cusco up as kind of a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, that he's self-centered he doesn't care about anyone that sort of thing and the way that it really hammers it home is that you then get this scene with just patcher where he returns home and has to hide that news from his family yeah and like the the fact that like you know it's this really touching scene the the kids come up to him and are like ah oh, daddy daddy we missed you kind of thing uh his wife's like oh you're hiding something from me what's wrong And he's like, oh, it's nothing. I just had a long trip back kind of thing. And then Cusco stops the movie, gets a big red marker, circles where he is because (laughs) he's been kidnapped effectively and accidentally loaded into the cart that Patra has taken home. He circles it and he's like, that's me. That's me in there. I'm the main character of the story. Focus on this. And that's such a brilliant way of mixing both a humorous moment and the theme of the story together because, of course, we know as the audience he's not really the main character. Um, He's just one of many characters kind of thing. And that actually he's not as important as he gives himself credit for. And that's a lot of what the movie is about, is him humbling himself and realising that actually people don't exist for his every whim kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's a great way that it's like it's acknowledged by the the film within the form of the humor as well, which can sometimes like humor in Disney movies. It can sometimes be quite jarring and it can sometimes pull you away from the message of the story to give mm-hmm. you this kind of rebound effect. They particularly do it in uh, the new Star Wars and Marvel yeah. films. Yeah, yeah. I do. think Marvel's a bit better with it. Um, mm-hmm. Because it's kind of absurd anyway. But with Star Wars, like the the whiplash you get sometimes between them pulling a joke and then serious things happening. It sometimes can be a bit too much. But I love how with like the Emperor's New Groove, you've got that brilliant balance where even the humour is being used to reinforce the story beats and yeah. the themes and all of that. So it's great.
0: Yeah, man. That works so well. Um so yeah, I mean let's really focus on, like, that. this big theme of essentially about someone in power is incredibly self-centered, really, like, selfish and not at all compassionate and how someone is so compassionate on him that he has to humble himself and, you know, he becomes a different person. That's, like, the kind of overarching theme of it. And obviously... Um, I'm just going to slide in there like a (laughs) smooth theologian and um, say, actually, this is, although we find it funny and it kind of is, it really is a a perspective that we as people um, that have the human condition should be looking at life within general because obviously the greatest part of the human condition is thinking the story is about ourselves um, mm. And I feel it was a hard thing for me to grasp while reading the Bible because I feel like there's a massive theme today in uh, a lot of modern churches, which is like, how can you make the scripture fit you? Um, and specifically, right. <laughs> like, I feel like that there's a lot of, and I've been guilty of it as well. And I feel like there's this great theme of like, making it about you making you the center of the story but it's acknowledging that actually looking at the narrative from beginning to end which we've sort of been doing with our um kind of intensive
1: not so intensive not (laughs) hashtag
0: not so intensive um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, kind of like Bible reading, and whatnot. You start to see it as a unified narrative that points towards Jesus, and you find that a lot of the protagonists and characters within all of the um, books of the Bible they play a part in God's overall narrative for us. But we we all live in in unity with Him, and it's all directed towards Jesus, as opposed to. One center character. I mean, we know how um, prominent, how much of a prominent figure um, Moses is, but the the Bible isn't around Moses, is it? Like, yeah, yeah. You know, it's not around Abraham. The whole point is God is fulfilling the promise I made to Abraham, but the story isn't yeah. about Abraham,
1: it's mm. about
0: God. It's about how God's fulfilling His promise to different generations, completely different people. God is the only person that's still like keeping the whole thing together. <laughs> Otherwise, we, we may yeah. as well just read a completely different story. Like you know what I mean. So, yeah, um, yeah. I think it's definitely a key thing to acknowledge that. Um, and so, when I'm looking at the film as well, um, I, I want to dive into a even deeper theme, but we'll, we'll go into that a bit later. Is between um, Pacha and Cusco. I love how, although there's so many opportunities that Pacha has to like abandon Cusco and like how
1: yeah.
0: often Cusco completely betrays him and is like, "Yeah, I lied. Nah, nah, nah. I'm still building my pool on your house."
1: Yeah, um, and stuff right. Like
0: that. It's just like this constant forgiveness and renewal and redemption, and there's always yeah. multiple chances given. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think I explained this how, you know, in the story of Exodus, where God sends the plagues to Pharaoh to basically be like, look, let my people go. And there's so many times that Pharaoh is actually like, yeah, 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 I will. I will. He, he actually, like, makes it look as if he's going to. And then he decides. And he had his go, yeah.
1: fingers crossed behind his back. <laughs> exactly.
0: And he's it's like, just...
1: yeah, you can go. Nah, not really.
0: Psych, exactly. <laughs> and what's funny about that is God still continues to be like, all right, well, I'm going to send another plague your way, just like, because that wasn't cool. And like, he continues to do this until, obviously, by the 10th plague, he's like, okay, well, you've brought this upon yourself. You mm. do not care about your people or my people at all. You have literally been dwelling in your pride. After I've yeah. given him ten opportunities, ten technically, and that was
1: that was ten opportunities after, after he yeah. stopped playing nice. Like there were like maybe three times I seem to remember um, that God told Moses to ask Pharaoh uh, to let the Israelites go, and he hardened his heart, and that was when he you know turned his snake and his staff into a snake and back. Um, Mm-hmm. And, you know, the little thing like the Nile turning to blood obviously it was a big deal and would have upset the ecosystems and stuff. Mm-hmm. But even that compared to the things that happened by the end of it, it's like, yeah, it got increasingly severe and mm-hmm. every time Pharaoh hardened his heart. But um, I think that's something I really like about uh, the, like the Emperor's New Groove as well in its presentation of Cusco, is that mm-hmm. it's not naive and yeah. um, it doesn't just have this thing where it's like oh yeah he was because you, you know where the story's going right from the first minute where it's like oh yeah he's he's self-centered exactly. he thinks he's the be-all and end-all and then he gets shown kindness and then he realizes it's not all about him it's a very trite message and obviously it's mm-hmm. a good one and it's one that you know i would agree with brandon would agree with Uh, the bible would agree with you know the idea of extending compassion to uh, the poor and the widow that's a huge theme in the bible um and just having a general awareness of other people that yeah you're not the main character and sometimes you've got to sacrifice a bit of yourself in order to show love to others um and remember that actually you know god loves them just as much as he loves you so but um it doesn't do that just by going, oh, yeah, the first time he's shown kindness, he's all better now. Exactly. Uh, it's it's not that neat. You get that complexity of character. You get that idea that he's not just going to let go of this thing he's clung to his entire life kind of for security, really. Um, yeah. Uh, but it I, at the same time, it makes that final message that much more positive because it shows that. Even someone as belligerently self-centered as Cusco can eventually, under the right circumstances, when shown that persistent love, because I think you realize as well that um, a lot of that self-centeredness comes from a kind of self-reliance and like an insecurity, a fear of rejection and, um, you know, that he has to take whatever he wants because there's no one who loves him enough to give it to him kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so he is like, oh, well, it's better to just make everyone be afraid of me and be what I want rather than actually daring to open himself up to genuine friendships like he ends up doing with Pacha. Mm-hmm. Um, so the idea that actually, yeah, like the reason why people act, um, uh, you know, the way they do, the reason why people are selfish and you know, act in bad ways. Um it's not always as simple as just, oh, well, it's because they haven't experienced compassion yet. It's it's sometimes a lot more deeply rooted than that. And exactly. The film does a lot to address the root cause that actually when when Cusco realizes there are people who don't have ulterior motives and there are people who genuinely will continue to Show love and forgiveness to him, even when he blatantly doesn't deserve it. I think that's the thing that starts to bring down his guard a bit and let him be bold enough, I suppose, to uh, make those relationships. Yeah, yeah, for
0: definite man. I would continue my point, but the dog's here.
1: If you if you can't say it in front of the dog, then I don't think you should be allowed to say it at all.
0: <laughs> all right, puppy, what do you have to say? <laughs> That's what you have to say. I'm not. Oh. Well, is that right? You you have to go. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Um, expand on your point there because the main thing that I was thinking of was with the idea of compassion Um, I feel like it's definitely the church's responsibility therefore to hold on to the idea of compassion because as you've kind of said there it, it doesn't take just one moment for someone to like completely like, rehabilitate themselves and completely change into a different character. But that's where I feel like we, as people, shouldn't just pursue one person and be kind of creepy sometimes. I feel like some people are unintentional like that and with good motives, but sometimes you've got to know when to take a step back because you're going to scare that person rather than make them feel loved or wanted. Um, Yeah, yeah. So I feel like it's definitely up to the church in general, which is easier said than done, of course, to be compassionate in moments of randomness. And I guess the whole thing of like random acts of kindness and stuff like that. But I feel like if the church in itself collaborate on this idea, that, like, a person walks through life and they encounter someone who is in fellowship with Christ, they're like, oh, you represented the same things that I met in this person as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. You've
0: demonstrated the same kind of compassion that this person did, and therefore that becomes a lot more inviting. And it's, I guess it's trying not to do the cliche of, like, (laughs) I might offend some people here, but, like, I'm going to continue to date them because I feel like I can make an impact in their lives. And it's just like, that's a, I saw a meme on that not too long ago, actually. And it's like, I get it. We should like, in terms of dating, we should definitely grow. But if you have fundamentally different views on life, particularly God, and you can't just stay with a person because you think you can save them. Like, that's not realistic.
1: that's an element of like that becomes moral superiority where it's like no no no, i have to change them that there's nothing about me that needs changing Mm -hmm, so i suppose in terms of eternal significance obviously we believe salvation is like key Mm -hmm. you know um but uh obviously yeah if if that's the reason you have for uh, pursuing any kind of relationship really with someone is like, oh no, no, yeah, if yeah. I if I stick with it because it's kind of how you turn <clears throat> you turn people into projects and that's yeah. that's the opposite of, of what Jesus did. Exactly. I know it's like it's a cliche, it gets preached about all the time, but people still do it. So it's it's important to remember, you know, like mm-hmm. yeah there were times where um where Jesus would meet people randomly on the street. He would Treat them as he would anyone else with that same level of compassion and love, and there was something just so powerful about being in the presence of Jesus that changed yeah, people's right. lives. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I think as well in terms of um, you really uh got to something quite key. I think when uh, you mentioned about like the kind of people don't change instantly, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um. Because I think these in, in I'm, don't say these days, Josh. Don't say these days. <laughs> uh, now, in, in the church, uh, yeah, yeah. particularly, you know, my kind of experience with church, mm-hmm. there is a lot of emphasis on that, like one-time decision, and it's yeah. like, yeah, we we do like we do believe that once someone gives their life to Jesus, that's it. You know, they've um, they've got that salvation. Yeah. But it's important to not just hang everything on that one moment, because in one moment, someone can be super emotional. Mm. Uh, they might not be thinking things through properly, and they might not make that same decision the next day kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, like uh, we believe that Christ makes us new, that if we are in Christ, we're a new creation. The old is gone. Uh, all of that stuff. But we also see in the Bible this image of sanctification taking time and Mm -hmm. the kind of deliberate, I mean, when you look at, say, the example you mentioned with Pharaoh, Mm -hmm. like God could have got his way the first time round. In fact, it mentions in the narrative that God was the one who hardened Pharaoh's heart. There's this Mm -hmm. idea of God intentionally crafting something over time and that I mean, today we have the microwave. You stick something in there, you press a button, you wait a minute, it's there, right? And that's mm. a meal that might ordinarily take like an hour to cook, but it's just there, it's done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. And, you know, we have that with like Netflix as well, you know? Oh, you want to mm. watch a movie? People used to have to walk all the way to the store to rent or buy a movie. Not so anymore. All right, not um, Buster. that was magical that choosing a movie and getting everyone to agree but you know what it was a lot easier than picking something on netflix together yeah that's for certain anyway to not get off track exactly (laughs) we have so many things like that today and obviously i'm not going to say you know technology bad like it's very useful stuff Mm -hmm. but the danger is that um we can sometimes with the familiarity we have with instantaneous things um, particularly you know the, the society we live in today it can be hard to remember that there are a lot of good things that are done gradually um, yeah. I mean that, I think that's why it can be important to take a look at nature you know like trees don't grow by themselves there's um, mm-hmm. actually you, you'll probably know the tree I'm talking about there's a, a willow tree across the road from my home those of uh, you don't know yeah, yeah, yeah. uh me and brandon we used to live around the corner from each other and didn't realize for like <laughs> 15 years yeah well. <laughs> uh, it was crazy but yeah, yeah so there's a willow tree across the road from me and now it's getting a bit too big for its boots uh mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. i remember that it must yeah it was a lot smaller when i was a kid mm-hmm. um and just to see that, like, grow year by year and uh, my mum's garden and stuff, you know, how it's always gradually changing. Um, that's something that's important to remember, that actually people are kind of like that as well. It's in the day by day. It's in exactly. the, you know, constantly, like, yeah, um, a non-believer is going to encounter a lot of Christians in their life and no single one of them being a human has the power to change someone's mind to change their heart to change their soul you know that yeah man. no one can do that on their own and that's exactly. the whole way that god chooses to work with us it's like he works with us but again kind of like with emperor's new groove how Cusco realizes the story isn't about him he's one part of a bigger whole that actually our job as christians is to be part of that growth for people exactly. to you know kind of show people the gospel and you know show them that actually you know what if we're gonna be uncomfortably real with ourselves there are a lot of things about us that are bad and a lot of things in our nature that are bad and go against the will of god and it's that cultivation that thing that takes time and yeah today that can be hard to remember but it is no less true
0: exactly I mean, we remember it by looking at Jesus' parables on growth and trees. And Mm -hmm. hence, I found myself using fruitful as part of my, like, everyday language now, because that's kind of the point in that bearing fruit takes time, as you've used your analogy of the tree. it's about having that tree and then the fruits um, come from that. I I feel it has a lot of deep imagery in terms of, you know, you bear fruit, meaning... You have compassionate and can therefore influence others, but also it's just it's this idea of constant regrowth. We know how fruit trees can can go through seasons and stuff like that. And um, yeah, yeah, I kind of want to l- look back at um, when I first came became a Christian. I always found it weird, particularly when I tried to explain to people like, "So what's your story? You know, like how did you become a Christian?" <laughs> And I was like, I felt almost guilty for saying I don't really have one. There wasn't a defining moment. I don't have that cool testimony where I was, you know, bad boy on drugs and <laughs> then friend took me into church and completely saved. And it's just like, don't get me wrong, like that's great in itself. You know, like if people have that story, then own it. But the thing is, I felt guilty that I almost didn't have that. But what, yeah, I, what yeah. I answered people was it was just I don't remember a moment where I was like, yeah, really believe in Jesus now. It was just a gradual growth daily. I learned more about it. The idea of faith became more and more clear. And and I mean, even as we've been talking, I've been what, a Christian for like six, seven years now, and I'm still continuing to learn an immense amount particularly like really mm. diving into the, um into theology. It's like, wow, whole new world here. It's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So it's just like there's never I think Toza talks about this, um, in pursuit of God, but it's like there should never be a moment where that's it. Like you're in what yeah, yeah. a communion and relationship with God. Like you've you've made it. It's like it's like a cycle. We shouldn't be thinking linear or going from bottom to top. It's kind of like a to to quote Doctor Who, wibbly wobbly timey wimey stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I don't feel it's quite comprehensible to be honest. But I, it's it's a mm. constant cycling and growth. And I think, obviously. I'm going to say this, but I think the greatest analogy to learn that with is, is, is marriage. You know, it's, you don't say your vows on the day and then expect to be an all time high. You're yeah, constantly yeah. learning each other. Um, what takes each other off? What helps them out? There's times where honestly, there's days where I'm utterly in love and can't get enough of my wife. And there's times where I still love her, but I really can't b- be bothered. <laughs> And it's just like it's one of those things where you, you you go through cycles and you know life happens. The world is still there that, that kind of influences you and yeah and whatnot. But it's I think you're right on the money about the the daily thing. That's where it's mm-hmm. important. And I think Matthew six really um, focuses in on that. Like you don't know what tomorrow will bring, it has its own troubles yeah. so focus yeah. on today, each day God's blessings are renewed, you are renewed just seek God and be present with it and I feel that's the crucial thing Um, in our walk with God and with other people mm. um, 100% I actually remember I've read a bunch of places and I still don't fully know where they've got it from but people are like we think that Jesus walked 3 miles per hour <laughs> they like say it's a perfect pace to walk because it's enough to get you where you want to go but it's it's slow enough so you can get intentionally disturbed and disrupted by people
1: uh, oh you know what i think it's i think it says that there in uh, luke 12 of the <laughs> message your dudes what's up version yeah man he kept a he kept a light uh, light pace somewhere between 2 and 4 miles per hour or I know. like 5 to 6 kilometers per hour if you're a funky guy <laughs> and uh, he just came casually strolling in with his crew like what up guys legit right? This I regret is- nothing regret everything <laughs> <laughs> well this is
0: the thing as well it's like I don't know where they got it from the only thing that I'm thinking, I've seen it a bunch of places where I'm like, I don't know, I don't think this has any historical accuracy. Yeah. Don't know where it's come From, but I, I like, like, I the, like what it stands <laughs> for. It's nice, yeah. but legit. When I've heard it, I'm like, unless it's from Q, I don't know where else this could be from. And it's just, <laughs> I was like, I have yeah. no idea. Um, but yeah, legit. So it's. But I think I like the idea of it because I was like, to be honest, this probably would be somewhat what I feel Jesus would have done anyway. I don't feel he would have walked three miles per hour, but I feel like he he would have definitely um, embraced interruption from people, which is kind of already evident through um, the Gospels anyway.
1: Yeah, I mean, pretty much half of the miracles start with, while he was on the way to this mm-hmm. um because i mean if you think as well like towards the final year of his ministry a lot of the stuff that happened was on the way to jerusalem uh because that's where he went you know for his final trials kind of thing um mm-hmm. so yeah though he was a traveling man <laughs> and yeah it it is cool that whole thing of he he made time and also like he, he knew who would interrupt him each day. Yeah.
0: But he yeah, still exactly.
1: had the grace to like let them interrupt him kind of thing. Yeah, uh, he, he dealt with each person as they needed to be dealt with kind of thing. Uh, he gave everyone exactly what they needed and all of that. It's, it's great. It's,
0: it's so good, man. So, yeah, I guess to kind of wrap this up, I think the core thing that we can take away from it is obviously to to humble ourselves to realize that redemption definitely takes its its time and people definitely within the church also need to take our time with ourselves and other people um, <laughs> which is probably a big message for me actually I tend to as me and Josh have been talking a lot I tend to have a a tendency to run before I walk so yeah let's let's be present let's be still Again quoting Matthew six, um, be still and know that I am God. Um, one of my absolute favorite verses. So
1: And uh, to quote Kronk ah uh, yeah, it's all come together.
0: Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, good job. All right. <laughs> we'll uh see you in the next uh, episode.
1: Kronk Remix, Kronk Remix. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, listen.
0: Whoa, whoa, whoa.